Welcome to the official podcast of Postlight, Track Changes. I am the co-founder of Postlight, Rich Ziotti, and I'm here with my co-founder, Paul Ford. Whoa, very dramatic. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. We are a digital product studio in New York City on the 10th floor of 101 Fifth Avenue. Uh, Right downstairs, Paul, there's an untuck it, which... We can try to get them on the show, but we don't have to. We build stuff, digital stuff. We build platforms, high scale. We design. We have amazing UX skills blended with incredible technical skills, which is very rare, by the way. Um, So uh, if you need stuff, hit us up. Hello at postlight.com. Our leadership is great, too. Amazing. Prescient. All right. Rich, the person who's on the, the show today is someone who we literally run into around New York City a lot. Yes. Yes. And he just he's moving. He's positive. Partner and director of Seed Investing at Betaworks. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me. There's right. a lot to cover here. Yeah. There's a lot to cover. First off, Betaworks, for people who don't know what Betaworks is, I, I consider Betaworks a a New York technology icon at this point. Um, there's Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. And then you've got this effectively a, a incubator or camp, or I don't know what you'd call it, where some really great stuff has come out. And that's New York City. And it's connected to New York City, which I think is very cool because we take pride in being a New York shop. What actually, so people who don't know Betaworks, which will be maybe three or five people out of this entire <laughs> audience, but... Nonetheless, what are the uh, what were the big things that came out of BetaWorks? So, so we've we build companies and we invest in outside companies. Uh, so on the on the build side, I think one of the early companies that people knew was Bitly, which is a link shortener. Um, uh, more recently, Dots, the connect the dots game, and Giphy, the animated GIF search engine, on the build side. And then on the investment side, uh, we had we had also we've made a number of investments uh, in from Tumblr to. Twitter to Kickstarter early on. And then more recently, a lot in audio were investors in Gimlet Media. Uh, We were talking about Anchor earlier. Okay. Why audio? So I I think audio and voice is an interesting interface. And to me, the reason it started to be interesting, we were always fans of podcasts. So that's kind of the obvious content side. But one of the things that started to be interesting to me was when you're standing in line waiting for coffee, you look at your phone and there's like every app on your home screen is competing with every other app. So am I going to email? Am I going to do Snapchat or Instagram? Or am I going to text someone? I would look, I think I got a message somewhere. Everything's competing with everything else. When I step outside to go take a walk or to get in the car, actually there's only three or four things I can do. I can make a phone call. I can listen to music. I can listen to a podcast. Okay. So I want to go back. You're, I mean, just for people that don't know, Matt is a well-spoken, very handsome man. Uh, that probably could have done anything he wanted out of college. What did you study in college, Matt? Uh, I studied cognitive science and computer science. I sort of think that CogSci is like the English major of the sciences. Like, kind of, <laughs> you can kind of fit anything in there. And it's it's a little psychology. It's a little bit of like pure neuroscience. Mm-hmm. To me, it's an interesting layer of abstraction because you've got you're going 
technical in usually one or two categories, but probably not everything because you just can't go so technical in absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. But then it's in neuroscience, for example, there's some biology there, but it's not deep in biology, but it's a lot about functional, you know, cognitive neuroscience is functional approach to your brain. So there's different parts of your brain. If you get a, uh, that process different things. Actually, I think when you're a coder and you're thinking in functional programming languages all the time, that's kind of how you're designing software. Yeah. So I, I always thought about it as how do you teach computers to behave more like people and how do you teach people to interact better with computers and kind of, it's, it's sort of this bi-directional thing. Um, also, All right. wait, you have a fun fact, too, if I remember, which is that you play piano. I do. At a place on a regular basis. I, I do. I, have a, I call it a residency, okay. which it isn't. But uh, I, play, I play the piano uh, once a month, right actually around the corner from here uh, at, at 27th and, and, and 7th, between 6th and 7th What's Avenue. What's the place? It's a place called Sid Gold's Request Room. And okay. it, is a, it is a karaoke, a live karaoke piano bar. Do people know about your daily life at the karaoke bar? I think that people from my daily life show up, so those people know. Yeah. I don't think the people, um, people who come oh, in kind of that? off the street know. Although I, there was one, there was like a company outing, and I was like, and they were like, oh, we work at this company. I was like, oh yeah, you guys are just acquired, right? And they're like, well, who, why does the <laughs> piano player know that we were just acquired? <laughs> I'm gonna jump. Go. Uh, a lot of Matt's job is what's next. What's the future look like? That is, what right? is your job? What do you do all day? Yeah. So at Betaworks, we have two kind of entities. We have the operating company where we build new stuff, and we have a venture fund, and that's primarily what I work on. Okay. So the venture fund. Yeah. Okay. So for us, where I'm surrounded, I'm in a, in a, most venture funds. You sort of have this office, and there's like you know four offices, and that's and a big conference room, and that's kind of it. But at Betaworks, I'm surrounded by developers. So I mean, you mentioned data set. Like I'm gonna go do the hello world. Was that called data set? Is that what it's called? Yeah. I'm going to do the hello world of that. Yeah. But f- and because I want to understand it. Sure. But because we're surrounded by developers, someone will build something. Someone will come in after the, uh, uh, after a weekend and be like, hey, we have access to, access to some bit.ly data or dig data. And I made an Alexa skill that listens to, um, that lets you listen to your tech news. And They'll do a demo and we'll be like, huh, Alexa's really not a good voice for this. Or wait, there's no home screen. How do you know what functions to ask? Mm-hmm. And that's where we start to dig in and, and from a product perspective, say, what's, why is this different? This interface different? So it's a lot of following the developers. Um, okay. So devs come and tell you things. You think about the future. Like this is how you, you get to the point where you're like, you know what? Audio is really a theme for me. Well, I think it's, it's organic. So all of us like podcasts are interested in audio, start talking to like uh, the the Gimlet guys, for example, and start to think about this stuff and say, okay, well, is this interesting? Well, you know, half of cars don't even, aren't connected. Half of new shipped cars this year won't be considered connected. That's kind of interesting. So and by 2019, they will be. Mm-hmm. And battery life's getting better and cell phone coverage is better. It seems like there's more surface area for people to consume this stuff. Let's let's not also lose sight of the fact that podcasts compress very well because they're all speech. So they're pretty small assets to send around for the length of them. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Now you can get a podcast downloading you know, about the same time as like a nice high-resolution song. Yeah. Wait, so when you say I'm on the venture side, yeah. I'm assuming that people are coming with a deck and yeah. pitching to you. Yeah. Not... You're, you've got developers strolling around hallways and saying, hey, come here a second. I just did a thing. So so it's definitely, so when we, with the developers in the hallway are people who either work 
at Betaworks or working at companies. And I, and I'm, when I say developers kind of strolling around the hallways, what I think about is like, why is the, a particular thing interesting? What are developers working on? We do get pitched, but we tend actually not to start with the deck. We tend to start with the product. So send the product. We'll, we, it's kind of nice. We have 50 people in the office. We can spin up a little social network and try something out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And what we're looking for is, is this a native user behavior? We were talking about Anchor before. And those th- that team came in. They had built a product. And they said, Here, you know, here's what this thing is. We started using it. And I would get feedback from other developers who were test flighting it. And it's like, you know, this is kind of interesting. I'm walking around and it's very audio first. Like I don't have to look at the screen. Mm-hmm. And I had seen other products that had been self-described as like Instagram for audio. Mm. And they and and the visual navigation was actually important in those. And I think one of the things that Anchor team got right, and I was hearing from developers and also experiencing ourselves, were was that it was native to voice. And so I think for me, the learning comes from the people who we're surrounded with, the people who are pitching us, but we're re- it's the idea is our cut of like the data is product. Yeah. Most of the time what's happening is people are pitching lots of different venture funds. We're one of them. And we are, we write 300 to $500,000 checks. And so that ends up being not the sure. whole round. So we're sure. always co-investing with other people. What is the way that people bore you the most when they're presenting? When do you just go like, oh God, not this again? Ouch. I don't think it's ever boring because you kind of try to find the interesting thing, right? So you're, it's, we may not, even if we're not investing. Do you put your phone away during the pitch? Oh, do I put my phone away during the pitch? Usually it's about an app. And so like I'm on there. Okay. I'm using okay. their app. Oh, <laughs> You're using the app. Such great plausible oh, deniability. Okay. Oh, oh, a notification came in. Yeah. Tell me about leadership. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. He's, so, he's also anchoring that shit. I know. It's lots happening. Um, how many of these are you doing a year? How many people are pitching you in a day, let's say? Oh, in a day, um, anywhere between one and six. It's hard to do more than six 30-minute meetings. Otherwise, oh, so you're doing 20 a week. So we're doing, it depends. So we've, so there's, there's two of us full time, uh, on the investment, uh, on the fund, which is Peter Rojas on the West coast, me on the East coast. And then John Borthwick, who runs the, the studio and the, is the CEO of Betaworks uh, operating company is, is the third partner on the fund. Mm-hmm. And so he, Peter and I are always meeting with these companies first and then kind of trading notes on them. And then we're, and then the process is basically, they come and talk to one of us. We talk about it, communicate back with the founder. They talk to the other one. We talk about it, communicate with the, all three of us are communicating. They meet John and then we make an investment decision. And that's pretty much the, the process we're meeting. You asked, you asked the question, how many uh, companies we meet with. Um, it's over, it's, it's sort of thousands on the top line that come through of decks we see. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I think I, 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 I haven't looked at the numbers for this past year. It's somewhere probably around 600 where we're really kind of digging in. That's a lot. Um, and then, but separately from that, we also have the camp, which is the third thing we do is our accelerator. Mm-hmm. And we'll get like between 150 and 400 applications just for that. Just Meaning, for, can I just get so we'll, inside and use your... Well, so, so camp is this product we started about a year and a half ago. We were really interested in conversational software, chatbots. And one of the things that was happening was the most interesting ones were so were too early for us for a seed investment. So we could either say, okay, we're going to wait. Mm-hmm. Or could we do something kind of like what we did with Anchor? Could we do something where we invited, like, instead of inviting one in to work here for three months and then helping with their seed round, could we do that with like five to 10? Okay. So and, you're making a bet on a particular technology trend. 
yeah. world of yes. of apps and solutions, chatbots. Sure. So we did chat. We did conversational software. We called it BotCamp. We did um, voice. Okay. Where we called Voice Camp, and we now the next one that we're starting in January is called Vision Camp. It's around computer vision, augmented reality. Okay, so tell me, uh, I feel like, and this is from a distance, that chatbots were it was hot. Yep. It was the thing everyone was talking about, and I'm not hearing about it as much anymore. I, again, I'm not in deep in the VC world and what's trending in tech and all that silliness, but does it, am I, am I off base here that, that it's like, there was a hype cycle to it for sure. There was a hype cycle, but I think there's a, with this stuff, there's always kind of a hype cycle, a bunch of people build. And then the question is what actually, what works? And I think, well, I think what happens is that people are building this stuff and either it's working or it's not. And either they're learning and sort of getting deeper in with their users and Tweaking getting traction and, yeah. or they're like, Oh, it turns out nobody wants to use a chatbot for the thing I was trying. It's like, Insta- like Instagram came out and it's like, there's like 80 of these. Like what's the big deal with Instagram? And and it was just some, a couple of slight yeah. tweaks to the experience and there, and there it went. And, and I think you're right. I mean, is there anything, I mean, you're inside. Well, there's a yeah. lot of copying, right? Like Hipstamatic had really nice filters, but it didn't have a social network. It did. Yeah. It did, I, I, To me, the, the killer leap real quick on Instagram was when you, when you hit the button, it went out. Well, it's that thing where you, you publish without even barely knowing you're publishing. Exactly. They, they mm-hmm. just, it just melted. So is there something cooking that you think, okay, this one could, could be the one, this one could be the leader in terms of now lighting up chatbots. There's a couple of interesting ones. I think an early one that's really grown like crazy on the media side is shine, mm-hmm. is it shine text. It's a daily, um, positive affirmation that you get, that you get sent and that comes through Facebook messenger or text, and then you can respond to it to learn more. And it is growing like crazy and people are engaging huh. there. People are the interesting thing about a notification is if you're, if it's not annoying, if it's actually sort of additive and you don't, and maybe today, like I didn't look at mine today cause I was not paying attention to that, but I still like that it came and tomorrow I might look at it and then I might engage with it. Tell and, me, give me an example of a let's positive. See. Anf- let's see. Let's see what they, what they sent to today. This I'm, I'm really excited to see rich here. A positive. Well, this is bullshit. Like, let's just start before he reads the damn thing. Like, What's you a, know, I need an app that says, get your shit together at like nine 30 in the morning. I, that's me on Slack. Oh, shit, that's right. Paul says that to me. <laughs> so let's see what they said today. One says, all the picture says is choose where your energy goes. It's in handwriting for the people at home. It's in handwriting. Human being. And, it's, and then it gives you a context. It says, we can be quick to let everyone book our time. Today, don't let your calendar be an open book. God, this is really relevant to where I'm at right now today, actually. My calendar is a nightmare, partially I'm, due to the management of this company. I got to open up and let this in. Let these kinds of things in. I swear to God, I would put money down to, for you to subscribe to Shine Text. I'm going to get in there. That's great. Shine. Okay, so this is a very kind of simple. But there's dialogue. Thing. So like, so you can then respond. You can then learn more, and so you're kind of going back and forth. So the, the design paradigm is send you something frequently that's additive, and then wait for you to ask for more information. I'm going to write a complimentary bot that I can also add that mocks the shine statement right afterwards. That's kind of funny. I had, so at one point I made a bot called anxiety box. This is great. And what anxiety box did was it would send you emails 12 times a day 
about – and you'd put in a few things about yourself and it would send you the meanest possible email. So it was like I was anxious because I was late finishing a book <laughs> and I was anxious. I was having like anxiety attacks on the on the train and um, anxiety would box would be like, hey, I heard that you're late on your book. It's probably because you're complete garbage and none of your friends like you. And it was just sort of along those lines. Did it make you feel better? It was so funny. I like that. Because what it was is that the little voice in your head is actual garbage. Like you actually have a spam bot in your brain that tells you you're garbage all day. Yeah. And when you see it out in the email and like just running down the um, your inbox, you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm really wasting a lot of time investing in my anxiety as much as I do because this thing is just saying the same garbage over right. and over again. So it was very therapeutic. I made the mistake of talking about it in public. It ended up on This American Life. And now I have a Google spreadsheet with 7,000 people who've listed their most profound anxieties oh my waiting goodness. for me to release this product like two years later. <laughs> this is so great. This is, I mean, you were like cognitive behavioral therapizing you know yourself, I mean? right? I mean, I mean, there's, it's very hard to figure out ethically what to do with that database. But what you find is that in a very abstract way, all of the anxieties are the same. Everyone's like, I am a bad person. I'm a bad father. I have terrible sexual desires. I um, sometimes like I, I will. I'm die. not well. Yeah, I'm not doing well. That's right. I will die. Yeah. Is yeah. a big one. Like I'm yeah. going to die. Yeah. That's, so, and it's amazing because I need to. I'd love to do something with that data because I have 14,000 anxieties, of which there are probably 12 original anxieties. Can we talk about Endgame here? Like you guys don't build nonprofit businesses. Yeah. Like let this thing absolutely explodes, and it's time to put the ad right under so i think the most the hardest part right now is creating something that people really feel a connection to regardless of what mm-hmm. it is it could be searching for an animated gif or it can be getting a positive affirmation or it could be getting something that makes fun of your your your, mm-hmm. your neuroses right that's that's all of those things are totally legitimate those are the hard things to do right now i think is getting attention and getting stickiness for sure. those products i would say thematically for this organization like all right we're we were, I wrote a little essay for our Christmas card, and I sat down. I, I was rewriting something that I, from a couple of years ago, and I had made this argument that you really need to think about the time of your users with the apps that you create, how you spend their time. And increasingly, I'm thinking that saving their time and getting them out of your app is the ultimate service, right? <laughs> and that could be like you go work for the bank and you make it really easy to get people out of your bank website so that they can go spend time doing whatever the hell they want. But this Spend sort of, the money. This sort of <laughs> infinite thing where your index finger is dragging down to see what happened, it's just a bad end game. Even if it works now, it'll stop working. So I would argue that that is really um, tightly coupled with business model. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, right. So if you've, I, I think I heard, I think it was Ben Thompson's podcast. He's a really good analogy where he said, you have uh, 30 minutes with a broad, like a broadcast TV station every night. It's the nightly news, right? Suppose there's no news that night. They've already sold the advertising. They have said to you, look, every, every night we're going to, we're going to tell you something for 30 minutes. Let's get minutes. down to the zoo. See what the tigers are doing. Wouldn't it be interesting if you had a paid, if you paid for that? And then what they said was at seven o'clock at night, it was just a a gift. It was like, hey, no, no news today. Right. Just go do, here's your time back. Yeah. Yes. Although as a human, you kind of like, you're, I'm, you've got that. I think that one's specific because it's like, that's, that's your half hour of ritual. Fair. Um, But I think with social media in particular, it's an infinite engagement, right? 
Like, it's just a sense of, like, the more we get, the better. I don't get a sense that Facebook is like, you know, that's enough. There's no cutoff. But why? Think about why. It's because they ha- want to put more ads in front of you. Without a doubt. Amazon right? is like, we'll get you out of there. Oh, that's yeah. great. Like, hey, here's here's four other things. Tap them real quick if you want. Because their business model is, let's get that order card, the cart uh, as as the average order value as high as possible. And and then bundle it and send it to you for cheap. That's true. They want, Well, they know you'll be back. You know, there's a mental exercise I want to do, which is figure out the actual number of minutes of attention available in the world. And then I'm going to bet that most, if you put all the social media together, that they've probably overestimated the number of minutes of attention available from humanity, right? Like, like the valuations are probably assuming a, a massive increase in population. Well, one of the things I think is, so then where's the opportunity, right? I think, right. so if you, if you back up two years ago, when... I like at peak notification, mm-hmm. let's say <laughs> where people, there was a moment where people started to say, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, do you, do I, do I want a lot of notifications? No, you have to earn my notification time. Yes. I've been abused, buzz, right? buzz, yes. buzz, buzz. Ding, 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 ding. Buzz. So, okay. so then I, I would argue that that's, that actually, it took a little bit of, of time for people to get the idea that the, they were going to get abused by all the social networks with their, with their, their, their there's this kind of, uh, p- peak. And then now where's the opportunity? It, there's an opportunity, I think, to start to give people the tools to disengage. Mm-hmm. And I, in, I, I look at shine as something like that. They're telling you how to disengage with your calendar or how to at least pause for a second. I look at, Oh, the irony. So the social network is telling you how to get off the social network. Well, I'm testing an app right now. Uh, so I don't have kids, uh, but, but it's an app to, help measure your kids time on their screens and sort of, you can, you start with an hour of entertainment time. And then if I clean my room, I can So right now uh-huh. I'm testing it. So, so John Borthwick has the parent version of the app and I have the kid version of the app. So, <laughs> so, and I, and I'm kind of staying true. And so if I, it, I can connect my health kit, which I've never done, mm-hmm. but if I walk 10,000 steps, I get an extra five minutes of entertainment time. Ooh. So one of the things I started doing was I started looking at it just, I have a graph of all the apps I'm using and it tells me how much time I'm spending. I'm like, I kind of just want that. Like, oh, sure. I kind of want, I want this to regulate myself. And so I think as you start to think about where the opportunity to consumer is, what are the new tools that you can use to, to defend? How do we let people defend themselves against this stuff? Yeah. I, I, I hope that's the trend. I hope people are now reacting and deciding, you know what? I'm going to establish a valuation, a currency for my attention and you can't, it's not free anymore. The whole thing is not pennies. Uh, I'm going to pick and choose. There were a few other things in bots that were going on. Let's, let's, let's knock those out. Oh, the other things that are working. Oh, so another one that's totally different category on the e-commerce side, there's a, bear with me here, a beverage called dirty lemon. You guys come across this? No, we're going to, we're going to listen though. We're listening. Go in. It's activated charcoal. Hmm. Infused in lemon in lemonade, the the idea is it's a functional beverage. That th- what that does is detoxes you. Okay. They have a couple of other functions. They have one that's like for to help you fall asleep. They, when they started out, a hundred percent of their user acquisition was people on Instagram showing dirty lemon, and then the only way you could get it was by texting them. And so you text with them and you ask questions like, "Can I take? Can I have this every day?" Or like, "What does activated charcoal do?" And by communicating with people back and forth in, in a conversation, they ended up bringing people into that funnel. Imagine if Coca-Cola had the phone numbers of every single person who tried it. Sure. That's really interesting. I think that's an interesting business to put together. Well, especially, on, or for higher value things too. I mean, it's okay. 
So that's a, you know, another example, totally different category, right? Not on the sure. media side, but what, what I think that they figured out is that people needed to be educated and conversation was a really good way to educate them and to start to pull them through the, the user acquisition funnel. I think what, what's interesting here for our audience is that you're focused at this very particular level where it, it didn't have to be lemon water. It could have been lamps. It could have been... Well, Beats, ass. the Beats headphones. Mm-hmm. Did you guys... Did you guys watch that documentary on HBO? I've only seen part of it. It's awesome, though. It's really good. And then uh, they get to a point where they don't know what to do next because they they've conquered the record industry. And they're like, "Well, do sneakers." And it's like, "Well, I'm not a, I'm not an athlete, so we'll we'll do headphones." And G- I'm pronouncing this right. Jimmy Iovine, the record executive, said, "Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to order like a thousand of these." And he made every celebrity he knew put them on and put it on Instagram. Every single one. He just literally hunted them all down. And next thing you knew, uh, it was the hottest thing. And he, he essentially his marketing campaign, his kickoff was hunting down big follower Instagram people and making them wear a thing that's not even in stores yet. And then explosion. I'm always skeptical about celebrities. You know, if someone with a lot of followers are going to use my thing and then it's therefore going to work but that yeah, worked in that case it, it worked in that case well headphones are i like categories I, I, i'm always fascinated by categories where the best product wins and that's not everything it's not everything they're not the best headphones where where does the best what categories so i think in, in the anti-example is maybe a, a place to start. so i'll give you so i had a, a product that was a in the real estate tech industry. Mm-hmm. After after I was at CBRE, I was a company called Hot Potato on the consumer side. And then I did like this, mo- the most literal possible mash of of social media and, and real estate. And I remember one time I went into, a, uh, went into a meeting and I'm showing the product and people are like, okay, that's interesting. We'll be in touch or whatever. But they were not, the it, property managers is who I was selling to. Mm-hmm. The product was very good. It was easy to use. The And then I came back in. I, then I ended up ultimately launching my license to, to a company called apartments.com. Apartments.com has an amazing sales force with really good relationships with property managers. When I walk back in with Apartments.com, the deal gets done. Sure. So does the best product win or does the best sales team win in that industry? I would argue that it was actually much more about, as much about the sales. You have to have a product that works, but the best product doesn't necessarily win. Well, look at that culture you're walking into. But if you think about the, let's just take Shine Text as an example. If people don't like it, if not enough people like it, they're just going to turn it off. Right. The best yeah. product is going sure. to, I, I would I would argue, the best product wins. And there's marketing involved too, but the marketing sort of integrated into the product yeah. itself. Sure, An interesting it's, metric. Well, it's daily. You, the relationship is with the product rather than with the Direct. Person. Very right. directly. All right. So if somebody's out there and they want to understand your world, yeah. what should they do? I mean, I can plug my, my newsletter. All right. That's fine. So, that's great. So one plug. thing, so, so I, I've been an audio interface geek now for probably three plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started an email newsletter called hearing voices.xyz. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the newsletter was so that I would be disciplined in reading everything about audio, trying everything. And then just at the end of the week, put it all in, in a place. Right. Um, so that's one way to learn about that specific thing. I think that, trying new products. I go to product hunt a lot and just see what people are making, see what other people who are product people are saying about it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like 
I grew up in outside Washington, D.C., and my dad was always like, if you want to understand the conversation around politics, read the op-ed section. Right. You'll see what smart people are debating. And there's like, there's debates. It's not, there's no right answer. And I think that, and I hadn't, I've never made that analogy before, but as I think about what product hunt is, a lot of it, especially early on, was people, smart people who think about product, just debating. Like, I thought this was interesting. Yeah. product, yeah. I think that kind of stuff is interesting. You know, another, so, so that's where, those are the places I go to learn. Medium, obviously, Twitter, sort of. Um, but you want to debate. You want to see where people are talking and so that you can what understand. What they're saying my, about product. Well, my goal is to find what new user behaviors people are unlocking by trying something new. Okay. And I think, where do you find, I'm lucky that I get into those data streams because people are pitching us and saying, hey, we did this thing and we were surprised by this. It's working. Or we were not surprised by this. Or our thesis was this, and it was true or not true. And whenever you have a hypothesis, like I mean, it's sort of scientific method, right? You have a hypothesis, you try it out. I think Snapchat is such a cool example. You've got it. They made this picture that disappeared, and then it actually meant that um, I wasn't as as worried about posting something that was my friend taking a picture of me and it looks stupid because it's going to be gone in twenty four hours on the story. I don't, that actually changes your behavior versus Instagram. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know. Now I think like Instagram sort of copying some of the stuff and a lot of that behavior is moving over. But an, an example, another example I was just talking about was, uh, was it took me a while to internalize uh, messaging, what it meant to be picture messaging. So I, uh, and this is totally not answer to your question. Am I? No, that's a great answer. Um, <laughs> but, but like, so I'm looking for what people are what are people saying about the differences between like photo messaging? Cause to me, it's like, okay, well you take a picture and you put some stuff on it. Why is that not a picture? Why is it a message? And it, it occurred to me, it was truly recent where I, um, I switched to Android for a week mm -hmm. and I switched back to iPhone and I realized that my SMSs, I don't care if I lose them. Like I'll just delete a whole thread. Right. And I was like, wait a second. That's actually what the, the, whatever the quality is of that text message, it wasn't ephemeral because it disappeared. It was ephemeral because I didn't care about it. Mm -hmm. The information was useless. And that to me is I send pictures to my, my brother cause I see something funny and he sees it. And now the conversation is done. You can delete the thread. So once, so you are always creating a library in your head of that, those changes yes. in user behavior. And that's, that's sort of the model as people come in and pitch you things and it might be like, Lemon water or build your own shoe or whatever. That's what you're looking for. It's, it's, a, it's one of the things that are surprising given that you see all this stuff. Cause that's also, what's going to be surprising to consumers. What's going to give you an advantage, I think in the, at least in the near term. Great. That's good insight. Well, look, Matt, thank you for coming in. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. This we was gave you fun. some shit, but this a lot of interesting stuff here. Well, it's, it's, you're someone who's doing the work and that's cool to see. Very cool. <laughs> Now I need to go look at Product Hunt and think about new user behaviors. That's I'm going to go do the thing where it says nice things to me every day. We're going to report back on that really soon. Yeah. I want to see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is not about the app. It's about me. This is great as your internal Oprah self starts to emerge. <laughs> this will be exciting. Very cool conversation. A lot of interesting stuff. That was great. Yeah, it really was. So look, before we go, we should tell the people about Postlight. And how to connect to Postlight. The way you do that is you send an email to hello at postlight.com. H-E double hockey sticks O at postlight.com. With anything, really. Um, we like pictures. Need our help. Got a question. Say hi. Yeah, we should say We love up. emails. We love some good Q&A. Ask us how to build a platform. Ask us how to make a website beautiful. Ask us anything you'd like at all. Or 
go give us five stars on iTunes. That's also completely well, welcome. And you can be an and there. That's true. We okay. welcome you into our podcast universe. Yes. Paul. Time to get back to work. Have a lovely week. All right, bye. Bye.